0: We're blasting off into 2023 with a brand new episode of Shop Talk Show Podcast, all about websites. I'm Dave Rupert. With me is Chris Coyer. Hey, Chris, how are you?
1: Hey, I'm doing absolutely great. We're going to kick off this new year with a special guest that we were have been working on lining up since last year. It's Jason Ball. Did I say it right? Jason Ball? Yeah, that's correct. Hey, how are you doing, Jason? Thanks for coming I'm on. I'm doing good. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, right on. I, You know, I think... I can't remember the exact impetus of all this, but it was kind of like, I think I had noticed that... There's this app I use to run WordPress locally called Local by Flywheel. Or I think they just call it local now because I think WP Engine purchased Flywheel. and our, I, I think Flywheel still exists as a brand, but perhaps they're trying to downplay the Buy Flywheel all the time now that WP Engine owns them. I don't know what the story is there. But I noticed that th- this app, which I, I just feel like is a 10 out of 10 app, really they they hit it out of the park, especially as far as I think business is concerned. If you help people solve a hard problem locally uh, and give it away for free and then say, oh, we have hosting to help you, too. God, what a home run idea. So this app, and it runs cross-platform, you download it click a few buttons and all of a sudden you're running wordpress which isn't the world's easiest thing to do you got to run mysql you got to run php you need a web server there's all these things and doing that uh without anything to help you is um has some technological challenges that even i'm (laughs) like i'm sure i could get past them but i would be annoyed by them and then if you had like five sites that's just going to get even more annoying Uh, Anyway, it helps you do that. But it has plugins, too. One of the plugins is, like, it'll help you optimize your images and stuff. It just has little bonus stuff that isn't built into the core of the app. And I noticed that it had this plugin. I think it's called Atlas or something. I think that's the code name for WP Engine's, like, overall thing that helps you run what I guess the industry has been calling headless wordpress or something the idea is i, I, I want to manage my content in wordpress but i want to build the front end of the site in another way i don't want to use the php templates and stuff i want to use i don't know next js or astro or viewpress or whatever what's the nux three <laughs> easy mm-hmm. i want to do something <laughs> like that <laughs> yeah i know dave loves nux three Um, Okay, so I know I've been talking a whole bunch, but there was a button in this thing, and you you click it, and it it does all the stuff that it needs to do to not only let WordPress run, but to scaffold out for you a website uh, that allows you to do this thing. And one of the things that it has to do then is not just like it has to run a node server, for example, to do the front end, but the way that it's built is... In a way, a lot of modern websites are built that need to hit an endpoint to get some data is it's GraphQL powered. Well, guess what WordPress doesn't provide out of the box is a GraphQL API. Now, should it or shouldn't it? I'm sure Jason has opinions about that. But Jason, you are the creator of a widely used plugin called WP GraphQL that brings GraphQL to the WordPress land. How much of that did I get right? (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, that uh, sounds pretty accurate to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right on.
1: You 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 are the creator, still still the maintainer of WP GraphQL, right? Correct, yeah. Yeah, and it's just a free thing. Anybody can install it, right?
2: Yeah, so yeah, it's a free plugin. Um I've been working on it for I don't know six ish years now
1: <laughs> pretty intimately involved with it i'd say
0: yeah why uh, so wordpress is perfect why uh, reinvent the horse here why uh <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the old saying reinvent the horse why why kind of push the limits here
2: yeah so i mean wordpress is pretty good right um the how uh, 43 or whatever percent of the web is powered by wordpress right now so it it does a pretty good job uh already um There are limits, I think, to the developer experience uh, of, like, rendering templates in PHP. And with the evolution of modern JavaScript frameworks, I think the developer experience has improved, you know, component-based architectures and things like that allow developers to do things faster, share components across projects, easier, things like that that weren't necessarily easy to do when you're templating in PHP. And then obviously PHP is a server-only language, so any dynamic interactivity or whatever you need, you have to also bring JavaScript in. And so you're now templating in two languages, maybe three, obviously, because you have CSS to go with it too. And so so being able to template in JavaScript, uh, you can do a lot of the stuff to render the content, but then also add the interactivity, you know, page transitions, things like that without having to cobble together PHP for templating and like jQuery or whatever you might be doing um, to add that interactivity. So I think the developer experience is what's pushing it toward folks want want to enable businesses to manage their content in WordPress, but enable developers to use whatever they're comfortable with uh, to build the front end. So. That's that's where yeah WP GraphQL comes in is like it separates the data that you manage in WordPress. Unless businesses keep publishing how they were publishing, unless developers choose whatever they're comfortable with,
1: is, was that the original idea too? Like because that sounds so clean. <laughs> that sounds exactly why this thing should exist. Yeah. So what you know what was that first commit like? Was that the story in your head?
2: Uh no. So the origin story is a little bit different. I was I worked at a newspaper. Uh, publisher we had like a hundred and something newspapers across the u.s and uh, we did a lot of and when i joined none of the sites were on wordpress by the i worked there about three and a half four years and by the time i left there was like 54 sites on wordpress and one of the one of the things we needed to do was syndicate a lot of data so we had for example denver post was i'm in denver and denver post was one of the papers we ran and then we also had like TwinCities.com in Minnesota. And let's say Denver Broncos win the Super Bowl. Uh, Well, Minnesota doesn't want to have, you know, a team out here covering the Super Bowl or, you know, whatever. So they could subscribe to posts from the Denver Post or, you know, to articles or categories from the Denver Post. So when something was published by the Denver Post, if they were subscribed to it, we needed to publish it on their site as well. And they're independent sites. um, So we... They're not, it wasn't like a WordPress multi site or anything. They're independently ran sites, mm-hmm. but they needed to communicate with each other. So we were, we had this syndication I don't know, uh, platform or whatever you want to call it, where data could be, you know, sent to all these different papers within the network and published. And, and uh, we were using the WP REST API before it was even in WordPress core. Uh, but we ran into a lot of problems with that um uh from like the actual performance time of it like w- how long it was taking for data to be processed um but even maybe even more importantly the developer experience around it um because the with the rest api it was like to syndicate one news post or news article or whatever it's a lot of different things right a rest api is resource based and one blog post is many resources it's the blog post itself but then it's the images that are associated with it which are each re- individual resources and then it's the categories and the tags and the author and you know the author's image and it's all the all these different resources mm-hmm. and so to to syndicate using restful apis it was a lot of kind of sp- spaghetti of you know like okay we got to move the post and then we get reference ids for the categories and then we got to go back and get the categories and then we got to move those and then we got to go back and get you know this extra data so the developer experience around it was not fun um Mm -hmm. and the performance because you're waiting for data to you're waiting for one request to finish before you can do the follow-up request to get all the data you need it was taking a long time and so as we started to scale First, it was like syndicating to two sites and then three and then 54 sites. And it was like, man, to syndicate one post across the network was taking you know 15 minutes sometimes. And so I was digging into like how we could fix this. I came across a technology called GraphQL, which was, at the time was pretty new. We were working on this problem in 2016. GraphQL was open sourced by Facebook in 2015. So it was very new technology at the time. And I said, hey, this looks like it might help us with our problem, right? We can we can explicitly ask for the exact data that we want and and do it in one request instead of having to do these follow-up requests. And then on the mutation side, the writing data back to WordPress, we could do the same thing. We could we could write specific inputs that we can pass multiple things to posts and images and whatever we needed to in one request as well. Um, And we could be very explicit about it, right? The GraphQL rest APIs are implicit. You hit an endpoint for posts, for example, and you're surprised with what you get back, right? If you go to any WordPress site out there and hit their posts endpoint, there's a very good chance they look very different, right? You, You as the developer hitting the endpoint, are you don't you don't know what to expect, right? Mm. Um, and so, so like we had many people working um, on a newspaper, and if a plugin were activated or different code was added, your payloads might look different, and all of a sudden there's bugs, and you got to track it down and uh, things like that. With GraphQL, I'm not saying it's bug free uh, by any means, but when there are bugs you can you can identify it a little bit easier because it's very explicit you said you said hey this is the exact data i needed i can expect exactly that data where rest is like eh, i i asked for yeah. posts who knows what i'm going to get um so yeah it helped us quite a bit with that so it was php to php there wasn't javascript front ends in the beginning interesting okay I was doing a lot of stuff in React at the time, and so I I was like, hey, like this makes sense for JavaScript. Obviously, GraphQL was created for Facebook to use with React as well. So I I knew the I knew there was opportunity. So I started working on it as a community project. I, and the newspaper was on board with that. They said, yeah, we'll use it, and you can do it as mm-hmm. a community project. So I I worked a lot on it. Uh, uh on my own time as well so okay
1: interesting so it was php to php at first because it solved actual real specific problems all that makes perfect sense to me that's that's awesome and then you know how long until i'm sure was it a was it a plug-in from day one or you know how long until the the day of open sourcing a year or something
2: uh no uh yep yeah. I mean, I I worked on an open source from the beginning. Like, um, even when we started using it at the newspaper, it was an open source GitHub repo from from the very beginning. Nice. Um, well done. From when we went to production at the newspaper, it was probably around a year-ish. Maybe mm-hmm. not quite a year. Yeah. And now you're gone.
1: So do they still use it, you think? <laughs> they do. They do still use it. Yeah. And, nice. Uh, Your legacy lives on at the newspaper. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So then you use it. Then you know the, but the opportunity for GraphQL is I don't know you 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 and I and everybody else I think thinks of it as this opportunity for JavaScript frameworks to talk to it, there's just some natural synchronicity there between how those things work. And it, by virtue of you open source, it has then opened the door for all these people who who just lo- prefer that DX, or that's the only world that they know. <laughs> there's an awful lot of developers yeah. out there that are like, you know how you build websites? It's React. That's the, literally the one technology I know, or whatever. Uh, and might feel the same way about graphql like they don't even know rest cuz graphql got so dominant in that world yeah that you they know, they they wire it all up and I, you know you know no shade i i, I kind of get it in a way that i i prefer that like when i cuz i have some wordpress sites that are not that are just done the classic way just templated in php and the fact that there's not even like prettier for php <laughs> is so like obnoxious to me you know you're building a component in in, in and uh a modern JavaScript framework where you know any sloppy code I write just gets immediately fixed, and my HTML looks beautiful and perfect at all times. Then I come back to PHP land, and I'm like, "Oh man, I have to manually indent this stuff. Get out of here!" Just that little thing alone, that little piece of DX is so crucial to me that I get it. Like I, I'm I'm sick of building websites in PHP. I'd rather do it some other way, and this has kind of opened that door. And I say that, and I've never done it. <laughs> but stuff like Atlas makes me want to do it. So I do We let's say we fast forward really far. You, how did you end up at WP Engine, and and how are they embracing all this?
2: Yeah. So after a few years of working on the plugin, um, I joined Gatsby, which is a you know the whatever JavaScript framework. Mm-hmm. And so I worked there. The they they have they're kind of they have a GraphQL layer themselves, and it sources from all sorts of different places. You have source plugins that you can install. So you can get Mm -hmm. data from WordPress is one of them, but you can get data from like Google sheets if you wanted to, or Drupal or Contentful or wherever, anything that can provide data, you can pretty much hook up to Gatsby and get data and then build a React site with it. Uh, So WordPress, they saw as an opportunity. So I joined them. They, they paid me and a couple other people to maintain open source projects. So we had me working on WP GraphQL, and then there was, you know, Ricky was working on GraphQL, the IDE for GraphQL. Oh yeah. Um, we like John Otender who worked on MDX, which is like Markdown, you know, JSX mixed. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we had a bunch of open source maintainers that were working on different projects that were not not part of Gatsby, but Gatsby could benefit from. So I, I worked there for a bit, and then uh, they were kind of changing priorities around and. I was going to get pivoted to work on not WordPress stuff. And so I looked around and WP engine was like, Hey, we find this interesting and uh, important for our user base as well. So uh, I joined them and am able to continue working on the project full time. So I've been here about two years now and, like in, in about a month, I'll be there two years. Well,
1: aren't you a lucky guy that you, you also get to just work on WP GraphQL there too? Or do you have to work on their kind of business initiative?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, pretty pretty much pretty, pretty. I mean, everything I work on is GraphQL centered. There's some things that are more beneficial than W, you know, for WP Engine users, but yeah. um, like one. So there's another open source plugin. We just went 1.0 with it in December is WP GraphQL Smart Cache. So it's caching for WP GraphQL. More importantly, cache and validation. Caching GraphQL is easy. Invalidating GraphQL is a little more difficult because GraphQL queries are... You have one endpoint that can have arbitrary queries with arbitrary resources returned. So invalidating uh, is a hard harder thing so i built that it's an open source plugin um there are requirements for hosts to play nice with it though and so wp engine is the first host that plays nice with it uh we're not closing it off so we have a host guide so other hosts can play nice with it as well um but yeah so i work closely with wp engine and other folks here to to make us the first host that supports it. Yeah, that's cool.
1: And by caching, do you mean like server side cache? Right. I mean, it must be right. It's all W. Uh,
2: so net, so network cache. So, um, so you can use Git requests to make your GraphQL queries and benefit from network cache, like HTTP caching. And so you can send your query over, over get requests. Um, you'll, it'll be cache miss the first time, just like, Kind of like in regular WordPress, in a classic rendered WordPress page, uh, you'd hit the page. The first visitor is going to build the page in WordPress, and you'll get a response. And then every other visitor is going to hit a cached version of the page. So usually, you know, millisecond responses. Um, yeah. And so so GraphQL now can work the same way. So the first time a query is executed, it'll make its way to WordPress and execute. And then after that, it'll be served from the cache. until. And so, this is where the magic is WP GraphQL Smart Cache analyzes the query that you made and determines what relevant events should have validated. So, if you queried for a list of posts, it knows that anytime you publish a new post, that query should be invalidated. Or if you edit one of the posts that was returned in the response, it should be invalidated. Yeah, I find caching so freaking
1: complicated that uh, even today like on on i like have a personal blog chriscoyer.net and i write wordpress posts on there it's just (laughs) off the shelf wordpress uh but there's some caching involved because it's it's on flywheel slash wp engine right so there's there's some caching that i don't even understand that happens just at the host level probably a reverse proxy or whatever. Then there's, I put Cloudflare in front of it because it does a bunch of extra bonus stuff that nobody else does. It's good for performance. I like Cloudflare, so there's that. Then there's like internal WordPress caching. Who knows? I don't even know. Uh, (laughs) So there's all that stuff. So if I edit a post and hit the edit button, I have no mental model of like when, and then let's say I were to like go on Mastodon and say, hey, read this article that I wrote. Will they see the edited post or will they see some old cached version of it? I literally have no idea. And uh, I'm often bitten by it and it annoys me. So I'd almost trust this more, knowing that what's rendering it is a GraphQL request and there's one level of cache in the way and this plugin is handling it. It seems appealing to me.
2: Yeah, and so the... I I wish this was uh, like I could share my screen and show something, <laughs> but uh, um, because yeah, so like w, WPGraphQL.com is a it's a Next. js site um, hosted on Atlas. So w so WP Engine Atlas, you've talked about this. WP Engine Atlas is our mm-hmm. like our hosting platform that allows you to host your WordPress site, but also your JavaScript site. So usually you've had to turn to other vendors like Netlify or Vercel or whatever to host your your JavaScript. Um, so you'd have your WordPress hosted one place and your JavaScript hosted somewhere else. So with Atlas, you can host your WordPress and your JavaScript under the same place, you know, one bill appeal, to pay and yeah. one support team to talk to and things like that. So so WPGraphQL.com is next site. And I can publish my backend is still WordPress for most things. Like I have some data getting pulled from like Markdown in my repo for docs and things like that. Um, But like if I publish a blog post or edit a blog post, my next, my next JS site, you'll see, you'll see the changes within like a second um, of
0: me making the changes. You can like trigger that incremental build just like, boom, like because it's the same service.
2: It's, it's not even, it's not even like a webhook to my build service. It's a, I'm using, so for me, I'm using next, uh, incremental static regeneration um Mm -hmm. and so what that means is like i can do my build once and then uh like if i publish a new post for example that's a url that doesn't exist on my static site yet so if a visitor visits that url it at runtime in next it will it will make a query to wp graphql with that url and say hey does this thing exist and if so wp graphql returns the data Builds the page in Next on the fly, and then creates a static page in Next so that the next user sees, uh, or the, you know, the following users see a static Where page. Where is
1: that cache? Is that a Vercel thing, or does WP Engine do that too? Yeah. So
2: WP Engine Atlas. So it's hosted on Atlas. So all the all the JavaScript is deployed on Atlas, and then uh, there's the static component, and then the dynamic component. Um, and the next, most of it is done by Next. Like the framework, but then uh, atlas, our host is the one that stores like the static version of the page and returns the static pages, um, much like Vercel or Netlify would do if you host with them. That's very cool. That's some modern stuff. Yeah, I don't have to rebuild my site,
0: you know, every time like I make a change. So it's just like I'm just thinking through this, like it's, you know, the, the, traditional WordPress we'll call it like that flow of like I just want to make a change please you know and you're kind of just praying the change makes it and nothing doesn't cause problems like if you're redesigning a theme or something like that and then you you, every time you deploy you risk taking down your whole WordPress right and so uh, this seems like very cool that you could just, it's all in the same host or whatever, but you could kind of deploy parts independently of each other, you know, like you, that's thats kind of cool to shim that GraphQL layer in between just to solve that little problem, you know, of like, if I upgrade WordPress, it's going to take the rest of my site down. So I don't want to do the upgrade WordPress. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. one One of the cool things about that too, like I was trying to prove a point one time, so I intentionally like put errors in my WordPress site so that, you know, the white screen of death in WordPress that you've probably, I don't know if you've heard about that mm-hmm. term or yeah, experienced it yeah. yourself, but I did that on purpose. I said like, I'm going to tank my WordPress on purpose and WPGraphQL.com is still served because it's static files. Right. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, and even if it's, even if it tries to rebuild a page, like incre- incremental, ex- inc- sorry, incremental static regeneration in next will try and rebuild the page. But if it's getting errors from WordPress, it will continue serving the static the old one files. Clever. So, like, if your WordPress site is down for whatever reason, like, it, like for my case, it was intentional. But if you made a mistake or you know Plugging plugin that a you just updated, yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Your static site can still be be being served. Um, it it really comes in handy, in my opinion, too like for agencies or whatever, or a business that's like rebranding and you're totally redesigning your site, a typical workflow in WordPress for this is like, okay, we're going to clone all your data to a different WordPress install. We're going to work on your new theme over here. And then like on launch day, we'll tell everybody to stay logged out of WordPress and we'll move, you know, we'll do this like switch and then you, you know, change DNS to the new WordPress and all that stuff. Right. With headless, like, like right now, my content for WPGraphKill.com, I have my Next.js front-end. Well, before that, it was a Gatsby front-end, and I, it's just data, right? So I, I was able to have my Gatsby site live while I'm working on my next site simultaneously on the same WordPress install. I didn't have to like set up a separate WordPress install. I just point both front-ends to the same endpoint, and one of them is live for users to see. The other one I'm hacking on making it work, I don't Mm -hmm. have to change anything about my publishing workflow. I don't have to tell, you know, the other authors that write content or edit in the, in the site to do anything different. Um, so I could rebrand my site. I could build new templates. I could experiment with different technology. Like I went from Gatsby to next I was experimenting with Svelte and express and like all these other things same WordPress install. I don't have to change a thing. Yeah,
1: just don't mess with the data structure, but that's probably good practice not to anyway.
0: How, how does something like advanced custom fields fit into this? Because uh, I know, you know, that's an old-timey uh, popular plugin. Does it, like, can you siphon out the data in uh, in in WP GraphQL? I maintain a plugin,
2: I created a plugin WP GraphQL for ACF as well. Um, and so that, it, it reads the registry of advanced custom fields field groups and the fields that you manage with that plugin and it maps it to the graphql schema so you can yeah you can create field groups with acf and then use graphql to query those fields um and it supports all the core acf field types you know you have like text and text area and various relationship fields and then acf pro has like flexible content fields which are A lot of folks use it as like a page builder where you can create groups of fields and then you can add those groups to your page in any order and drag and drop and rearrange them. So a lot of folks use that feature as a page builder and uh, WP GraphQL for ACF supports that as well. Nice, I guess that
1: complicates types a bit, right? Because GraphQL is fully typed, right? So if they have some, I don't know, date type or something, you better hope that whatever data it has is compatible with that it was types a pain in the ass with all this or is it-
2: yeah i we still we so graphql comes with what you know, some common scalar types right we you have like your string integer float boolean yeah whatever right, right now wp graphql just su- supports those out of the box the core graphql types so like a, a date field for example is currently returned as a string um not always ideal. Um, so we, we do support the ability to register custom scalar fields or scalar types. Um, we don't ship any at the moment we are exploring it like common ones, like date or date time or whatever, email, maybe URL, some of those common, like Mm -hmm. common ones will probably support in the not too distant future. But at the moment we just support the, the scalers that, you know, the graphql spec
1: supports so is that then when and you support mutations too through this plugin it's not just a query only thing right
2: yeah wp graphql supports yeah mutations so you can create you know edit delete things like posts and categories and tags and you know any custom post type things like that and it respects like the permission system in wordpress too so like when you wordpress has custom post types right so you can have like houses and cars and whatever whatever it might be and you can grant permissions to those, like what user capabilities are required to edit and delete and update. And so WP GraphQL respects those things too. So like if you're not authenticated and you try and execute a mutation, it's not gonna work. Unless it's a public one, like commenting. Um, but if it's like a creating a post or editing post, like it'll reject it if you're not authenticated. So if you're authenticated, making the GraphQL request. Then it checks who you are and what capabilities you have before allowing you to do what you're trying to do. But yeah, then it's strongly typed as well. So you, you it, there's you know the input API for GraphQL where it validates. Oh, you're trying to pass an integer for the title, and it requires a string. So it'll do some of that validation for
1: you know free for you or whatever. Oh yeah, that's what I was mostly curious about is how complicated that gets because PHP isn't typed. So I don't don't know when it gets complicated or when it, maybe it just doesn't because it's so forgiving with stuff like that. Or you pass in like a, are your, are your, are categories enums? And if you pass in one, that's an invalid enum, it rejects it. Or uh, I don't know. I don't even want to know. I
2: don't. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Things that are pretty dynamic like that, like categories are not going to be an enum because like every time you add a new category, it would change your schema. And could potentially, you know, like if you deleted a category and it was an enum, then your schema changes in a breaking way. So, you, it's, we don't do that. Um, yeah. When, one thing on mutations since we were just talking about ACF, the ACF plugin, the WP GraphQL for ACF plugin, does not support mutations right now. So, you can query your ACF data, but you, you can't mutate it at the moment. Um, mm, there is okay. some community. Contributions like there's some community plugins out of Um I at the moment personally don't support that feature, and one one of the reasons there's a there's a feature in the GraphQL spec called the one of directive, and it, or it's not in the spec. It's a RFC to the GraphQL spec. So I'm waiting for that, and um, once that makes its way to the GraphQL spec officially, and then to GraphQL PHP then I would work towards supporting mutations in ACF, but probably don't want to dive into that topic. It's a loaded topic on its own. Yeah, I bet it is, because I also
1: suspect, like, how much of your... Don't you want to work on stuff that, like, everybody uses it seems like the longer you're in it that you're going to get pulled into the nichiest of niche stuff where i would just guess that like 95 percentage all usage of wgraphql is just query only anyway it's just i want to build a headless website so i need a way to query stuff i'm going to install this thing and i'm going to query the hell out of wordpress with it like who's even doing mutations at all you know does that mean you're building an alternative wordpress to edit content and push it back up (laughs) i mean it just seems
2: when i was when I was at the newspaper one of the one of the react uh, apps that we did build was uh like we had like I mentioned we had like fifty four newspapers in the uh, you know fifty four newspapers on WordPress and I was an admin on all fifty four for example so when I leave somebody has to log into fifty four sites and hmm. make me not an admin that's a you know little bit of time-consuming effort. So we we did have an app where you could do stuff via GraphQL mutations across X amount of sites from one interface. So, like, you could find me and make me not an admin on 54 sites with a couple clicks. So Yeah, that's a pretty good use case. (laughs) So things like that. It's like we weren't making an alternative, you know, publishing experience necessarily, but we were
0: making time-consuming tasks, less time-consuming. Well, so speaking of that, so I've set up some GraphQLs in my day, you know, um, you know, getting that little Explorer up and going and like a node service isn't too hard, I, I'd say. But the like trick is like getting the schema, getting the like, getting the whatever, if you're doing reducers and whatnot, and then getting all the, the you know, data stuff mapped to like your, your MySQL in WordPress's case or, or Postgres, like that stuff seems like the kind of nitty gritty hard stuff. So what's the process of like setting up your, like setting up WP GraphQL. It it looks like the docs just say you start from like add plugin. Is that kind of how it goes?
2: Yeah. Yeah. You install and activate the plugin and it'll give you the graphical IDE and your WordPress dashboard. You can use other ones too. Like there's desktop graphical apps or whatever that you can install and point to your endpoint too, but you get one in your WordPress dashboard and you can start querying stuff right away. So it, it, WordPress has like some registries under the hood, like a post type registry, uh, you know, taxonomy registry, settings registry, things like that. So it, uh, WP GraphQL uses those registries to figure out what your CMS is made up of, what post types you have, what taxonomies you have, things like that. And it uses those registries to build the GraphQL schema for you. So it tries to do as much of this stuff as smart as it can so you don't have to do too much. And then plugins yeah. like the WP GraphQL for ACF, same thing. It looks at the ACF field group registry and it maps the fields to the schema for you um, so that. You can just start using the data from advanced custom fields right away. Um, there's a plugin WP GraphQL for WooCommerce. WooCommerce is you know e-commerce for WordPress, and so there's a community maintain extension. Uh, Jeff Taylor maintains that, and that does e-commerce functionality. So it exposes uh, like you know products and variations and all the things related to WooCommerce into the schema, and it does allow you to do things like check out and add to cart and things like that via graphql so that's pretty big a pretty big endorsement right from
1: automatic itself i guess
2: yeah so he doesn't work at automatic um Hmm. he he does it on his own time he'd probably appreciate sponsorship from them if they're listening but (laughs) 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 yeah he's uh he's yeah he just works on it on his own time and uh has basically made a career out of doing consulting work for folks using it.
0: Maybe you said this, but it, it, the first version was like PHP to PHP, right? Yeah. Um, Like, so can you, can I write GraphQL in my PHP then? Like, and so I can replace like the whole weird, (laughs) like WP query posts kind of junk. I've like littered every template with, does that? Yeah, you could. Um,
2: There's, If you you plan on still, like, templating in PHP using, like, some of the WordPress conventions, there might be some, like, hoops you got to jump through to, like, prevent WordPress from doing what WordPress wants to do. Hmm. Um, But, yeah, I've built PHP rendered themes using GraphQL instead of the traditional loop or or whatever. Um, So you can. I would still, at this point, unless there was some, like, business constraint, I don't know why... I would do that at this point. Um, Yeah. If for some reason I wasn't like allowed to use JavaScript, you know, react or whatever, then I might go that way.
0: But yeah, I just like, I can think of like times I can't like, I remember times where I've had to like do like lazy joins or something like that, you know, kind of like by querying all the, People And then querying all the companies or something like that, you know, um, and kind of joining those together. And it would be cool if you could just be like, I don't know, just write the JSON syntax and be like, give me these guys. <laughs> that would be a lot nicer. So. Yeah, you, yeah, you can. So, I mean,
2: if, if you do have a need and you are doing stuff in PHP, you, you definitely can. For sure.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's. I. I'm sorry to get weird, but that that was. I was just like, wait. If it's PHP first, then maybe. So So if
2: so, our case was it was one PHP site talking to another PHP site. So it was less about the same site getting data out of itself, and it was more how can I get data from another PHP site, basically. So
0: yeah, and like, can you subscribe then too? Is it like we can. Kind of have real time like I don't know, real time WordPress. Uh, kind
2: of, that's kind of what we build at the newspaper. So GraphQL has queries and mutations, and then the probably under talked about feature is subscriptions. WP GraphQL at the moment doesn't officially support official GraphQL subscriptions. I've experimented with it. Like I have a video on YouTube where I show it like I show proof of concept working with real time um, stuff. We kind of built that system at the newspaper, but it wasn't official like GraphQL spec subscriptions. It was like our own kind of proprietary but, so take on it. The
1: idea, like if somebody was, if two people were looking at a post at the same time and mm-hmm. one of them left a comment, the subscription could theoretically be like, ooh, there's new data. I'm going to yeah. pop that comment right on the page without a, even a refresh or anything.
2: Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like collaborative editing type of things um, could be supported by that. Especially like uh, in my mind, like, so Gutenberg is like the block editor in WordPress. Uh, I don't know if you have, if you use that on your WordPress sites or not. Um, Indeed. but it, like, I, I imagine you can picture this, like you have these blocks where you're building your content right now in WordPress, there's post locking, right? So if you're editing a post, I can't go in and edit the post at the same time. But in my mind, like – and Gutenberg uses the REST API, so, like, this would take a whole lot of work to actually get this to work. But in my mind, like, if if Gutenberg was using GraphQL, each block could subscribe to, hey, is somebody else editing this block and can get data about that in real time? So I could see, oh, me and Chris could both edit the same post at the same time. It would just lock the block that he's editing while he's editing that block.
1: Oh, independent locking. Because I'm like, are you sure what you're saying? Because you're talking about CRDTs and operational transforms and like a real world of complex stuff. But not if you lock blocks. If you lock blocks, it's fine. Just let them, let them blast. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so that's, uh, that's like I can picture it's not going to happen, I don't think, because I, <laughs> uh, WP GraphQL is not in WordPress core, so Gutenberg is not using it, obviously. They're using the REST API. And mm-hmm. uh, so there is like collaborative editing potentially being worked on by the Gutenberg team at some point. They're not, I don't think, going to go a GraphQL route to solve it. But in my mind, you could picture that like we're, okay, like if I could do mutations per block and queries per block and and subscriptions per block, then, you know, I could build this UI where I can see who's editing which block in real time. And then we could collaboratively edit in Gutenberg I think that the problem can be solved other ways, and they're probably going to ultimately solve it in another way. Um, but like, I can picture a world where GraphQL subscriptions would make it.
1: Yeah, it seems like it. It does seem like modern apps generally, like the assumption is that there's real-time possibilities. Like you, like Notion is useless if it doesn't support multiple people editing the document at the same time. There's just some assumptions about that. And, you know, WordPress sometimes falls behind in that stuff, so I'm sure they're they're thinking about it. Uh, that that is that is a, a question. Is it sounds like you? Yeah, I don't know. So far, you're, you've been like WordPress going to do what WordPress going to do kind of thing. Um, is that how you generally think, or do you do, are you do you try to get involved with that and push them a certain way? For example, I remember even when the REST API became a thing, it felt overdue. It felt like, come on, <laughs> this thing doesn't even have an API, and then when it landed, it was okay, and you know now it's fine. But now it's almost like, really, are you just going to ignore GraphQL? or Are they slowboating it on purpose, or do you have any idea if they would? Are you expecting a phone call someday? Like, I think we're yeah.
2: I've not I've haven't had like official conversations with like the WordPress you know core committers about like whether GraphQL should be in core or not. I've had like you know casual conversations with some folks that have influence i have i have gotten involved like especially when gutenberg was brand new i tried to get involved uh in the direction it was going to because i was working on wp graphql at the same mm-hmm. time gutenberg was being started and i was like hey like there's a lot of things that could be done differently so that server apis could make use of gutenberg blocks and i tried to influence stuff there and with little luck and kind of i kind of backed off when i wasn't getting much uh Mm-hmm. I don't know support from the core committers there, so I kind of backed off. Um, but uh, but yeah, as far as the GraphQL being in core, I think there's I think there's some big benefits of a GraphQL API being in WordPress core. But there's also like I I mentioned earlier, I'm waiting on a, a change to the GraphQL spec for this one of directive, and when that comes out, there's going to be breaking changes to WP GraphQL um, to benefit, like it'll be, it'll benefit the users, but it will be breaking changes. So you'd have to upgrade to a major version and, you know, probably change some things in your app that is using it. So when it comes to core WordPress, there's like, when the rest API was merged into is like I think 2016, and there's like bugs that still exist from then, because once you put something in WordPress core, even if it's a bug, it's a feature now for 43% of the web. And mm. so it's very difficult to, like, iterate in WordPress core. There's, you know, there's things that haven't changed in many Especially years. Especially with, with things that relate to data, right? Like yeah. This. And so putting putting the GraphQL API into WordPress core, I, I, there's a lot of benefit to it, I think, but I don't think we're at a point yet, and I don't know when we win or if we will be, even in the near future, where to me it would make sense. Because if if the rest of the world is using you know graphql spec 2023 and wordpress is on graphql spec 2021 then the whole world is using modern graphql tooling and the wordpress community is using legacy tooling right Right. um Uh. and you know so so to me it makes sense as a plugin at least for now like if you're if you're doing headless wordpress stuff at least right now it's it's growing obviously the popularity is growing but it compared to the size of the wordpress community it's a pretty niche thing still right like you know we have got you know 20 30 40 thousand installs of wp graphql wordpress is you know 43% of the top 10 million so I, in comparison to the community headless is still small yeah right and so and, and that that's just for wp graphql the rest api could have more usage that i don't know about but Um, And in general, it's it's small. So if there are changes, like you're opting into this community. So I think installing a plugin is not like this wild ask of you to like install and update a plugin. Um, But then it allows you to opt into the version that works for you, right? So if we do make breaking changes like this one of directive, when that makes its way into GraphQL spec and GraphQL PHP and then WP GraphQL, you will have to make the conscious decision to say i want to opt into these new features that might cause me to you know break other things and have to rebuild my app so you can opt into that if it's wordpress core like what are you going to do like if uh, you have to stay on some old version of wordpress and like deal with potential security issues and stuff that are being patched on newer versions so it it allows you to pick which version works for you. And so I think iterating as a plugin, I
1: mean, WordPress was built with a plugin architecture for a reason, right? It's like, this is that reason. So
0: probably saves like WordPress too, from like migration hell, you know, like if they had to like change something that stinks for them. So
2: So I do think I've like proposed this idea and I might talk with some folks um, like officially about this maybe in the near future, but like WP CLI is like a CLI tool for using WordPress. It's not part of WordPress core. It's a side thing you install on your machine and then you can, Mm -hmm. you know, run CLI commands against WordPress. So it's not WordPress core, but it's recognized as like the official CLI, you know, client for WordPress. And so I think, I think there's room for maybe WP GraphQL to take that position where like, WordPress.org or the WordPress Foundation or whatever recognizes, hey, if you're going to do stuff with GraphQL, let's, let's all collaborate on this thing. Because you can go build your own CLI client for WordPress and nobody's going to stop you. But you'd be probably wasting time, right? Because there's a bigger community effort around WP CLI.
1: Oh, I see where you're going with this. You want to just almost get recognized as the uh, canonical one. You probably already are, even, although there is one competitor, isn't there? there at there's least? at
2: least one. Um, there, there was a couple before me too. Like when when I was researching it for the newspaper, I, I was researching. and I found two. There was another one called WP GraphQL and one called GraphQL WP. And I reached out to both of them. Um, I ended up merging with one of them. Edwin Cromley had one called WP GraphQL as well. And and then the GraphQL PHP one, it, so we hosted on WordPress VIP at the newspaper and the GraphQL WP one wasn't like, VIP has very st- strict like uh, code quality controls and that one wasn't compatible. But I reached out to the guy, talked to him a little bit. He, he kind of seemed like he built it for one specific project and wasn't like maintaining it. Um, mm. but then the other one, WP GraphQL, same name. Uh, we ended up working together. He merged his stuff into mine. We worked together for a while, then he kind of dropped off after a few months and I have actually heard from him in probably a few years now, but we, we worked together on it. And, but then there's another one called, what is it? GraphQL dash API or something like that. Um, mm. and that's another, another one. And I think it takes a, much different approach to like schema design and stuff than, than I think makes sense. Um, But yeah, there are other options. You could build your own option as well. There's a plugin on the WordPress auto repo that adds a GraphQL endpoint specific to WooCommerce. That's unrelated to WP GraphQL. Um, so you can build your
1: own does it not use the rest api because it it probably doesn't right because your origin story said if you while using the rest api was too slow so like your graphql you must do your own internal querying and such Yeah, yeah
2: yeah exactly yeah it does not use the rest api under the hood at all so yeah when you make a graphql query it it uses other core wordpress mechanisms right like WP query and WP user query and things like that. So it still takes advantage of like like WordPress under the hood has various caching layers as well. Like if you do a if you use WP query, that query will be cached and if you have a persistent object cache like Redis or Memcache or something like that, results of that query are cached there and then you're not hitting SQL every time you make that query. Um so WP GraphQL respects those things and then there's like hooks and filters under the hood in WordPress. And so WP GraphQL tries to use as much of those uh, parts of WordPress as it can. Um, and then it adds like, I, I don't know if you've heard the term data loading in GraphQL land, but it like helps reduce that N plus one problem that can happen with GraphQL, not just with GraphQL, with anything, but it's, Comes up in GraphQL a lot.
0: And it's so, easier to do in GraphQL. Yeah, it's easier to bottleneck yourself.
2: I mean, it's it's pretty easy. Like you mentioned, you were doing like custom joins earlier, where you had to get like a list of all your customers and then all their businesses or whatever, whatever you were saying. You yeah, had to do. yeah. And it's like you could do it there too. You'd say for each customer, go get their business, and so that's like for customer one, do a query to get business for customer two, do a query. So you have your n plus one problem a lot of people do it in normal WordPress and not even realize they're doing it. Um, you, you know, a lot of people have the loop, the WordPress loop, and then they call something like for each post, get the author. Okay. Well that's, uh, you know, for a hundred posts, you're calling 100, a hundred, get the authors.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny. Like, and usually it doesn't matter. <laughs> like this is kind of something I've been dealing with. Like, sometimes it doesn't matter. You know, it's just, it's fine, it's fast. But then when it, it, when you think you can do that trick at scale or like a page with a thousand posts for some reason, I don't know, like then it's like, oh no, I have like locked the database up pretty bad. So for every user, you know. Yeah, so WP GraphQL
2: tries to help with that. Like in that example, if you query a hundred posts and then the author on each one, it'll do the query for the hundred posts and then it waits to get all hundred posts. And then it get, does one query to get all authors of the hundred posts. So instead of a hundred more queries for each author, it's one query for the authors of the hundred posts, a
0: hundred author IDs or whatever. Yeah. No, that's cool. Uh, Yes, I can. I was thinking back. I don't know, Chris. Maybe you remember this. Like we went to Jamstack Conf like three years ago or something like that. And then there was kind of like a running joke. You know, it was like. And we have a WordPress site, and people are like groan. You know, um, um, roll. I groan at your groan. Well, that that was sort of like the idea, or like right. that was kind of the vibe, you know, because it was just. It, I think even three years ago is like WordPress plus Jamstack was kind of like a mess, you know. Um, and I, I don't know. Are you feeling like the <laughs> Like WordPress is kind of like a really great Jamstack candidate, or is that? kind of the goal to make wordpress jamstacky or or is what what's your vibe on <laughs> my, I'll say my I, I want Jason's answer but I'll say what, I, one thing I want to make
1: sure I say in this is that I, in this uh, graphql might be a component of this or it might not but what what needs to push wordpress I I, I think to ask people to just do php templating for the end of time for wordpress is like not going to happen like there's so much there's that dx world there's like already a very large divide between like what's happening in real modern dx stuff and what's happening in wordpress and the divide is getting wider and wider so there's got to be a way eventually a canonical way to to build a wordpress front end that's not php templating and i don't know what it is or what what the answer is going to be but dude, it's got to be something right am i crazy gotta be something
2: yeah i think the what did they do like the i think the jamstack survey or whatever it was that that sometime toward the end of the year i think they did the results at the jamstack conf in what november maybe um but they they did show like i think it's no surprise that wordpress typically tops the charts of like worst developer experience of frameworks so it's like pretty high up there every year people don't like doing development in wordpress but then the the Jamstack survey was shown that okay, WordPress is still the most widely used CMS. So everybody knows that. But the developer experience of headless WordPress is also significantly higher. Like people like doing headless WordPress development compared to traditional WordPress development. So like the developer experience, like folks are responding positively to it already. Like in you know surveys like that. So the canonical way, I think that's interesting. There's a lot of different companies working on like, okay, what does the canonical headless front end look like? So, I don't. It, it's tricky because every three weeks there's another JavaScript framework out there. So, what's the canonical way? I don't know. What's the canonical way to do, build a JavaScript front end? Period. Right. There isn't one. So that that's tricky. So what? Like, I think with GraphQL we're trying to say, okay, whatever whatever you like to work with we're going to try and make it easier that said we like at WP engine we're working on a framework called Faust um, and that's probably what you experienced when you used local uh, and you know did this one click stuff in Atlas it, it, we have a framework called Faust. Yeah.
1: So, real quick, yeah, Faust is part of that. And it, uh, I do want to think so that the word Atlas isn't just one thing, at least to me, right? It's like it includes this Faust thing that you're about to talk about. And it's some node server or something. I don't, I don't even know if that's a part of it. And it's like a blueprint of WordPress that includes the WP GraphQL plugin because you can't do any of this unless that thing's installed and activated properly. So Atlas is is it is it true that it's a you know a
2: bunch of stuff combined? It it is and it's not, but it it is. They're all pieces that are optional too, right? Like okay, like uh, you can you can run a Gatsby site on our Atlas hosting. So our Atlas hosting has the we you can host W uh, you know WordPress site and then your JavaScript. We don't care what JavaScript framework you're running. You could use Svelte or Next or Gatsby mm. or whatever so you don't have to use faust we're providing faust as an open source tool for folks that want to use it and we'll probably support it better on atlas than maybe other providers will kind of like you know Vercel does secret things that make next run better on Vercel than elsewhere and gatsby with gatsby cloud they do secret things you could do it but like it takes some engineering under the hood to to do things so we'll probably end up doing stuff like that with Faust where it works better on WP Engine, but you could you can use Faust anywhere. I stopped you before you explained it though. What is Faust? Yeah, so that yeah, that's what I was gonna say. So Faust is a JavaScript framework. it, it is built on Next at the moment. There is potential that it could work on other things other than next like Svelte or whatever. But at the moment it works on next and it brings some features of like traditional WordPress development, like the template hierarchy conventions like that. Um, it brings that to headless uh, front end. So like I, like I was saying when I on WP like I, I mentioned earlier, when I publish content or edit content, like within a second, you're going to see those changes. And one of the, one of the reasons that works is when you visit a URL in your headless front end, it sends that URL to. Uh, so the Faust, the framework, is going to read that URL that you're requesting in next. It's going to read that URL, know how to send that to WP GraphQL, make a query to figure out what data that URL represents. Like, is that URL a user? Is it a blog post? Is it a category mm. archive? So it figures that out, gets get some data, and then determines what template to return. So very much like WordPress itself has the, what's called the template hierarchy. So you visit a URL and it knows whether you should return an archive template or a single wow. page template. So you don't even have to write a, a, a GraphQL query necessarily? It will like
1: guess at the correct one to write for you?
2: Kind of, kind of. So it, it does it do, it's a two-step thing. So it, it takes the URL, figures out some basic information about what the thing is, and it returns that data to you, and then you can and then there's a template system very much very similar to the template hierarchy in WordPress so like WordPress has like a file based template hierarchy where you say like single.php will will render for you know blog posts and pages but if you do single-post.php that will override it for the post post type and the single-page will so it's a very similar concept so there's a config a Faust config where you can you can say my single blog post will use this JavaScript file. So you get to decide what the file is yourself. We have like some smart defaults or whatever, but you you ultimately get to decide where your templates live. And so you pass that to a config file and then and then you write your you write your templates very similar to how you would in PHP templating. Um, but you get or in WordPress templating, but you get to do it in React and you get so at your template level, you write the GraphQl query that you need for that specific template then. And you get, you'll get a payload of basic data back from Faust. So it'll tell you like the ID of the thing that you're looking at. It'll tell you like the URL and what type of thing it is, whether it's a user. Or and post. Then you
1: pass that to the, the GraphQL. Query. Yeah,
2: and then you can use variables in GraphQL. So you would say, okay, now that I know this thing is a user or a post, here's what data I want for my template. And so you use GraphQL query you can and then use react components to render it and you can do your style if you're if you're a css and javascript fan or what or a tailwind fan or whatever you are you can do your styles your javascript and your graphql query in the same file and then you can break it up into components and use graphql fragments at the component level um so that each component can be you know Self-contained, right? It has the markup yeah. that it needs. It has the styles, whether it's Tailwind or CSS and JavaScript or whatever you're doing. Whereas you know, a separate CSS file even in the same directory. However, you do styles, you can have it componentized, and it has your GraphQL, your data dependencies, your markup, and your styles. You know, that's kind of the dream, or at least my dream. <laughs> you know, I think a lot of developer experience dream is like, how can I build these isolated components that have everything they need?
0: Yes. Absolutely, yeah. and, so, Please. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and uh, so yeah, GraphQL and fragments. I we I could do a whole episode on fragments alone. Fragments are amazing in GraphQL. That's one thing that like probably doesn't get talked about enough in GraphQL. Like when. People do like GraphQL versus REST comparisons, I think.
1: I know what you mean. You're like, you say a fragment is a comment, and every time I ask for a comment, I am gonna I want these five things, but I'm going to put it in like 10 queries, and I don't yeah. want to rewrite that five things every time. Yeah, because yeah. you're
2: going to have a component that it, its job is to render comments, and it has specific data needs, right? So you can say, okay, I can write a fragment in that component that says, okay, whenever a comment is asked for in the schema, I want X, Y, and Z fields, and uh, so I can have this component and then higher up, like maybe I have a list of comments component. I import the individual comment component and the fragment. So my list of comments has a, a fragment as well saying, hey, I want to list the comments. It imports the comment component and the comment right. fragment. And then it uses that in the query. So if you need to change, like, oh, we need to add this new field to our comment component, you just go to that one component file, you modify the fragment, you modify your markup and you're done. You don't have to do this like, oh, okay, we're fetch from REST API over here. We transform data over here. We do this thing over here, right? Like, you just go to the component that needs it. You change your fragment. You change your markup. You're done.
1: Yeah. Unless you're in TypeScript, and then you got to go find the type for comments and change it there, too.
2: Yeah, but, like, even with the GraphQL API, I mean, I so this is going to sound super weird. I have a, I build a strongly typed API, but I still don't use TypeScript. Um, but there's a lot of tooling out there that will like auto-generate your types for you. Like you showed a GraphQL endpoint and it will generate the types for you. Um, So I can't speak like, I just mentioned I don't use TypeScript, so I can't speak super in depth about that, but there's, there are tools that auto do it for you.
1: Well, all right, Jason, that was a, that was as in depth as I ever could have hoped for on all this. I really appreciate you (laughs) digging into this. You've really made this your life in a way, or at least your professional life. And yeah, uh, it shows, I'll say. Any uh, final thoughts or
0: questions, Dave? Oh, I just, yeah, thanks for coming on. It's really cool to see how you're helping push WordPress forward and kind of, I don't know, giving people options for their data and templates. That's that's pretty cool. So, uh, but before we go, how can people follow you and give you money?
2: Yeah, so I'm on Twitter at Jason Ball. Last name is B-A-H-L. So uh, Jason Ball on Twitter and at WP GraphQL on Twitter as well. Uh, github.com slash wp-graphql. wp-graphql.com. I, I get paid by my employer to work on open source. I don't like solicit <laughs> money from the public, but if you really want to send me money, uh, oh, wp-graphql is on Open Collective. So if you really do feel like you want to contribute to the project, then um, I'll I usually just send that money out elsewhere. Like I, I give money to GraphQL PHP, the maintainers of that, and things like that. So if you are interested in that it is on open collective so you can donate that way too
0: that's sweet thank you so much for uh, coming on the show really appreciate it and um, thank you dear listener for joining us here in 2023 on the shop talk show adventure Uh, be sure to uh, star heart favorite this up in your podcatcher choice Um, follow us I don't know where we're at we might I think we have a Twitter account technically and then um, (laughs) and then uh, you can uh, join us over in the discord patreon.com slash shop talk show and I guess we should say right Chris uh, uh, no ads. This like for right now. Like we we we're kind of going no ads for a while. Uh, you may hear a CodePen or a Luro ad uh, in the future. But uh,
1: yeah, yeah, I'm hesitant to say totally no ads. It'll be self serving ads, but uh, feels very ad free for us because we're gonna uh, not have third party ads. I guess first party ads only.
0: First party ads. So, and if your company is super cool and wants to come to us directly, we can make that happen. But uh, anyway, that's just just a programming update for you. But thank you, everybody, uh, for listening. We really appreciate it. Chris, do you have anything else you'd like to say? I don't think so. ShopDuckShow.com.